50 Books, the book review podcast where the books are split in two and figuring out just what is going on is always a toss-up. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jonathan. This episode, we are finishing Lake Lore by Anna Marie McElmore. Uh, I guess let's start, as we often do, with just how are we feeling having reached the end of this book? Yeah, end of this book, uh, I would kind of describe the experience as cotton candy, a cream puff, kind of light, (laughs) fluffy, airy. Yeah. Would you say, like with that, though, would you say you would call this a feel-good book? Yeah, I'd say so. Like, sim- I think similar to Midnight Library, like, mm. you reach the positive end, you probably learn a lesson. Right, right. Both are pretty direct about that, I think. Yeah, I definitely, I came to the end of it feeling a bit like it was a feel-good book, despite the fact that it deals with kind of a lot of struggle for the two main characters. Um, overall, I, I would say I, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I, I enjoyed the read. and enjoyed learning how the characters approached their unique but also connected issues so and also just like having a book we've read that has two queer main characters and both also latino which is like a plus for me so definitely different than anything we've done and and anything i thought we'd managed to find our (laughs) find our way to based on our luck with some previous books so yeah to be fair we've been very unintentionally straight yeah Do you want to start with that very first note there, the laugh? Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. You you read one more chapter than I did. Yes. And in that <laughs> chapter, it says the laugh was a taunting laugh. Mm-hmm. And I read that and was like, why did you not mention it? Because <laughs> it feels... I was expecting... Well, first of all, we were expecting the lake to be some kind of entity. Wrong. <laughs> uh, but I was expecting Oops. it to be like... A positive kind of entity like benevolent uh, I guess it was still kind of benevolent in like a it doesn't actually exist in in a sentient way I guess so the taunting laugh would not have made me think benevolent entity you really let me say that with my whole chest <laughs> well the thing is I don't think I ever believed it was really the lake be- I don't think it was like the lake being well, obviously now I don't. I never thought it was like being um, like mean. <laughs> I never actually thought that. I kind of just thought it was a projection from lore. So I, yeah, I guess that's why it's like I've never had this thought of like the lake could be a malicious entity. Okay. I thought the lake was laughing yeah. until it was taunting <laughs> them. But, you know. I just thought, you know, like uh, all of this book is dealing with their past memories a bit. So I just kind of figured it was one of those memories coming up. I, I didn't. I thought it was a bullies like i did think it was a from a malicious source i just didn't think it was the lake being malicious okay and then yeah wrong on both accounts for us then because yep. it was <laughs> it ends up being lore yeah but yeah that's in lore's house which causes a bit of confusion because there's a maybe ghost this is suddenly a ghost story <laughs> yeah at least that's they like yeah because they get into a whole zone about it of like oh like the house is haunted like there's something up with the house as though like I and I feel like this doesn't really get full resolution, but like as though the lake hasn't already expressed its own sort of I don't know super supernaturalness. Like, why would the house be unique here? Yeah, it was weird. Like they end up going to see Bastion's friends about this because one of them, their grandmother, as you know, most old grand people do, uh, they have information. <laughs> about in this case i think it's the lake lord and this house specifically apparently they're connected uh, in the mythos going on here this scene 
I want to talk about it more later, so we don't really have to get into it, but it is when Lori's kind of gets integrated into the friend group as much as right. they can be in like a single afternoon, I guess. <laughs> also, another thing, the fact that they go and visit in person, like this is the Losers Club, is so right. weird to me. Like is, right? really nobody is using their phone. Which they definitely do have. Like I, I last when we did the first episode, I was kind of like, I don't even remember them having phones. But then towards the end of this section, they're definitely talking on cell phones, right? Like that's without a doubt. So I, I'm also confused about what we are supposed to accept is the social norm of <laughs> the setting of this book. It was definitely giving contemporary, but we're ignoring our phones for most of the book. Very not contemporary behavior from these children, I'll be honest. Yeah, and Laura even like says something of, man, like they just gave me their address. I think it was Abril, but I can't remember. It was like they gave me their address and like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like That's weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. They're very open <laughs> and ready to accept this person. They do not know, <laughs> but whatever, I guess. We do eventually get like the house information and it's, it's, I mean, it's basic bullshit. Like take care of the house, be considerate if there's a ghost there mm -hmm. and then it'll calm down. And I think this is really just like a symbolic your house and your brain kind of being connected thing. Right. Like you need to tidy up and take care of yourself because your brain is like, you know, what keeps you going. It's it's, it's kind of like a home. Yeah, I, I think this is honestly in line with something my family would say. They would never acknowledge a belief in ghosts. But like as far <laughs> as like keeping things around the house clean because then, you know, you, your brain is more clean or whatever they claim, which is, it probably has some merit to it, but it's mostly just used as a way to clean houses for six hours at a time when it's probably not necessary. So yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense for like mental health, at least things get dirtier when you're at a low point. And then eventually if you can, you clean it up and you kind of feel refreshed, revitalized. That's like a normal experience and also like a mental health experience i think mm -hmm. uh just varying degrees of how much you can do at a certain point but lore does all of it <laughs> cleans the entire house it just felt so silly to me <laughs> like we're gonna clean the whole dang house and maybe it did feel silly because like this is something i experienced in my family of like yeah like we're gonna spend six hours on saturday morning cleaning the house and you know immediately mess it up by inviting 80 people into our home over the next day <laughs> like it just didn't it felt like a, a lost cause if you will yeah, it, it felt weird to me because, like, I, I think I understood what was being said about it, but also then this, like, never comes up again mm -hmm. and isn't, like, integrated, I guess, into lore in any capacity. Like, none of the haunted house part really comes up after this, right? Right. Yeah, no, not at all. Which makes sense because the laugh isn't a ghost at all. Well, it's ghost of the past, I suppose, but not an actual <laughs> ghost. But... Lori like doesn't learn anything from this really or doesn't seem to but I feel like that's Lori's whole character <laughs> oh <laughs> they'll say some stuff and then not learn anything so oh that's a little negative I kind of see what you're saying though at least in the not like there's there's definitely an aspect of um not reflecting on oneself in the same ways that they provide for others it is way easier to give advice which Lori will do constantly Mm. Uh, than to actually take it yeah another part of this then is that lore lore is taking a lot of credit for what's going on with the lake too yeah i mean timing wise it kind of makes sense they showed up the lake went off though to be fair i guess they have no idea if it could have already been happening before 
they showed up. They do kind of just assume that. Yeah, so it's kind of silly because... So at this point, does Lore not... Because Lore has this perception that this lake world belongs to Bastian. Like, they mentioned that at some point. Mm -hmm. But they don't understand at this point that, like, Bastian is, has been supplying their own bad thoughts to the lake. Like, that is that not shared between them already? I think it's known because Lore can see the Alabrijes. Right. So, like, I I don't get why Lore would take so much of the, the blame for it. Then. Well, I think it's because Bastion has been doing that for a long time. But now, it's only been now that the lake has been, like, rising, basically, and acting up. Sure. And I think also this has to do with Lore's whole, like, self-image issue. Like, they think they're the problem 100%. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like they... Well, okay. It's also an issue of they think Bastion is dealing with their issues and how do i want to phrase this i don't remember the exact term but like lore says bastion and their friends they're the nice kids right they're put together they act correctly mm. they they're acting as they're supposed to instead of how people might expect quote-unquote expect minorities to act which is what lore did right they got into a fight they right. you know beat some white kid up and that was such a nice kid like how could you ever do that to a kid <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that and like you know acting out negatively like that is is what's expected of minorities mm -hmm. especially you know people of color so they're thinking they just think too high they've put bastian on a pedestal i guess that makes a bit of sense because bastian is also not like the most forward <laughs> about what like yes. bastian kind of has a habit of hiding the truth behind things or like yeah kind of passing things off around other people to you know it's the whole like they don't want to burden other people but maybe that has kind of led to a, a false image for lore yeah because when they're hanging out as a friend group bastion like is freaking out about the index cards that lore has seen and can't accept a compliment that they're dealing with their adhd well because because it's not normal right it's not a normal right. way to be and talking in conversations they're playing along i think is the word it's the wordage used in the book like they're not actively being themselves and this is something like with neurodivergent people like they're masking their behaviors right they're suppressing things like suppressing mm -hmm. certain uh what's the word what's the word suppressing the things they might want to say because it's considered the wrong thing to say or it won't fit into the conversation or it'll disrupt the tone it's like accurate to them but doesn't make sense in a quote-unquote normal conversation so they have to suppress and like mask those type of behaviors they've just mm. gotten so good at it that i mean it's another aspect of hiding right which we talked about in the first part so Laura's like you you dress well and you have a job and you you're maintaining your ADHD and like you're perfect you're perfect so how could the lake be a you problem and Bastion meanwhile is like I'm not hiding any anything meanwhile hiding everything right <laughs> like <laughs> there's a lack of honesty and obviously that openness which we talked about in the first part is why the lake is is acting it's a both of them problem but mm. they are hiding from each other so they think it's a them problem you know it's interesting because they they definitely both have some confidence problems to address throughout this book but lore i feel like it is much more like their confidence is much more shot than bastian's is not that bastian's doesn't ha have that but 
Laura's in kind of given up mode, especially like miss it, like not really engaging with that second learning specialist visit and like kind of just, I don't know, feeling like they, they have to accept that like accept is not the right word, but like they have a certain life that they're allowed to live. There's not like a lot of um, gusto behind trying to change much, only trying to hide things. I, I feel like they kind of approach it a bit differently in that way like i think maybe laura does feel so bad about not having their own system because they really haven't put in their own system to um, address the things that they struggle with yeah i mean to be fair laura does mention like the dyslexia aspect isn't too much of a problem with them the things they were being bullied for part of it was the dyslexia but part of it was just the other stuff right which absolutely mm -hmm. can't have a system in place like you cannot create a system to like deal with your gender identity or like right, your right. ethnicity right it's just yes. out there so the confidence being shot it's it's slightly different because it's it is an impossibility of changing it mm -hmm. yeah maybe it's like more of a jealousy <laughs> right because you're right there isn't like anything the only thing that they can control is how they respond to certain situations which is a big portion of what they're thinking about Mm -hmm. when they compare the like punch situation to like the bus situation that happens later on like and that's it is a lot harder and i feel like in a in a sense there's not really solutions or systems yeah that you could put in place for those so it, it's it's its own tough problem though i would be curious because you know bastian is also a brown non-binary person like what interactions they could have had about that and like what communication they could have had about that not that they've necessarily experienced the same exact thing. It seems like, in fact, that's the whole thing of it is that they haven't. But what sort of maybe more productive relationship they could have had if they had put those things out there sooner? Yeah, because we don't really know Bastion's like school life. It seems as though they live in a utopian society in which nobody gets bullied <laughs> for anything. Like, yeah, Bastion is obviously self-conscious about how they act in group situations, but Lord literally was being hate crimed like every single mm -hmm. day and would have been killed <laughs> if they did not leave so it is it is slightly different definitely different because it doesn't sound like lore had a crew <laughs> like bastian does here yeah i mean lore does speak of having some friends but i don't know bullying situations are hard because it's mm -hmm. it's like you, yeah you're friends with this person but are you, are you actually going to like stand up for them and help them right. very difficult especially when you're an actual baby right yeah. <laughs> like these are children they should not have to yeah. deal with this kind of stuff you know friendship only actually ends up taking you so far because you are you're asking a lot of a teenager to make certain decisions like that and also ones that feel like they might escalate something and uh, you know laura's whole thing here is like well i escalated the situation by punching right it's like you then have to play this social game of like do i do something back or do i in doing something back get myself in trouble for just trying to defend myself so there's a lot there's a lot of mental gymnastics that they're they're going through at this time well i guess because we were so we were talking about we, we've made a lot of mentions of them hiding things from each other but lore i guess is the first one to break that yeah i mean lore wants i think to be close to bastion like they really want a fresh start right and obviously it's kind of messy because they're still trying to do the whole cut off the past as if it never happened situation right. but they are trying to be honest and they do talk about their dyslexia to Bastion. They have a conversation and then the lake rises, but it's all calm and colorful. And it's like the first time that's happened. But, you know, kind of going along with theories in the first part, they're being honest about 
these differences they have and like these vulnerable parts of themselves so the lake is also kind of being open and calm and and colorful because like we mentioned it's kind of like the beauty and what makes you different from other people type of situation Mm. uh which basically gets confirmed later um but you know we're still guessing at this point that that's what's going on i think it's interesting that the lake seems to incentivize the sharing with the response and at first i had a hesitation that oh no like the book is going to be like you need to share all of your inside you know deepest darkest secrets in order to be happy which is just like not true you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but but what it really is i guess is that they're being open and honest because they're addressing it or like because they've addressed it because they've put thought into it or because they're putting thought into it right like there's a there's an acknowledgement that's happening here that they both haven't been able to do up until this point that the lake is like yeah that that thing you don't not necessarily i mean it's nice to share it with each other but at least do something at least address the things that you're struggling with instead of suppressing them yeah and i think the struggling part is is pretty accurate because like this moment allows first of all for a very interesting and i uh description of what dyslexia is like but that idea of like hearing it and reading it being completely distinct and like having to like figure it out in in a in a way that we kind of just take for granted like reading Mm -hmm. i don't like it's so it was such a succinct way of explaining it it was it was really interesting but it kind of allows for another moment of honesty both because bastion trusts lore at this point and we get like the tee shot scenario, right? Right. I thought this whole, the whole tee shot thing was really, really nice. Like this is a, a very comfortable part of the book to read. Like look at them like communicating and helping each other out and kind of filling in some gaps that, you know, they have shared with each other that they have. It's just perfect. And it's also like, it, I mean, maybe Bastian should have just been open beforehand about their struggling with understanding the instructions for the tee shot. But this seemed probably more productive than doing it with the nurse because now it's someone that they trust right like someone that Mm -hmm. will be around them and they feel more comfortable sharing those sorts of things with rather than the relative stranger that the nurse would have been for them so yeah and plus if if they ever need that help again it's way easier to read well you know their future shaky at at one point but (laughs) considering the end of this book way easier to reach out to lore to ask for help and also, I think it just makes Bastion feel more comfortable about asking anybody else for help. Because mm-hmm. you kind of you need to do it the first time, and then it's like, okay, that actually was fine. Yeah, well, because then we also see Bastion is able to take care of it for themselves when they go to their brothers later on. Yeah. There's also a point, I mean, this is jumping ahead, but there's also a point where Bastion has a conversation with their doctor and actually says no when asked if they understand yes. something. Which is just like, yes, like sweet relief. <laughs> we are, we're learning, we're growing. And most importantly, able to stand up for ourselves. That's the the part that I worry most about situations like this is it's one thing, maybe in some situations, it's fine, like whatever, brush it off if it ends up not being that important. But when it comes to your health and like in this the case of that conversation, like like your kind of social health, like they're maintaining the relationships that there are around you, like that's a really important time to not just be like, no, nah, it's all right. Yeah. And I think Bastion does note, like, it's not always going to be that easy, right? Sometimes they're still going to revert back, you know whatever whatever but it is showing that that like learning from and and trying to change how you're doing things which we kind of talked about in the first part which is what bastian was missing right because they keep just brushing things off basically trying to separate things but this is like the learning aspect and and the learning aspect is really interesting because it's it's like 
with the index cards, we see how it's not just a straight line. Like, Bastion is going to have to change it. I think this is what the doctor's appointment is about. Like, Bastion being like, is it okay that the things that are working now might not work later? Mm-hmm. Which is, that's more common than people think. But neurotypical people, they kind of just make routines and then they can do them. And then that's just kind of how their life goes. <laughs> this right. is like, you need to keep changing things so that you keep learning and keep moving forward positively so it is it is a bit more scary because you want to hear like this is what you need to do this is the medicine you need to take right problem solved but like that is not how this is working but i think you obviously need to realize that with which bastion does and and also be like is it okay that it's going to be like this and it's like yeah it's fine like you'll get through it and you know you have a good support system you know, you have a doctor who's willing to listen to you, which is important. Yeah, wild. Telling you utopian society. <laughs> <laughs> like that they just had this low-key casual conversation with their doctor. Mm. Yeah, crazy. But that's the dream, you know? They're, they're honestly on the right track to start with. It's really just their perception of if it's right. Because in doing the index card shuffling to notice that they're still there and know, like, to pay attention to them... They, they kind of already know the answer because it's built into their system that things are going to have to change around and that's going to be okay. It's just you see the rejection of it in them not wanting to anyone else to see it. So it, it kind of just solidifies something that they I think they secretly already knew. Yeah. Did we mention the fact that they kissed that day? <laughs> Ugh, the kiss. Uh, it felt very, uh, it didn't feel like the um, most like revolutionary scene, you know? I feel like it was like, okay, this, I, I kind of expected this to happen at some point. Yeah, the kiss, if, it was going to happen. It was inevitable. <laughs> Taylor, you're funny. <laughs> the, uh. <laughs> I mean, romance hater number one reporting. I do have some thoughts about like all of the relationships in this book, yeah. but we'll probably get into them towards the end when everything's kind of resolved, however, which way. But I think. I think it still kind of struck like a, okay, there's obviously, you know, now we're acknowledging that there might be some feelings here and, you know, we're, we're getting comfortable enough to be physical with each other um, without it being like, this is a romance book, you know, it's because I had some, some similar thoughts about a previous book, but like, I kind of like it when it's, it's, there's allowed to be romance without it, like totally being the focus. It gets used as a tool, but I would argue that that does not make it the focus so so i kind of like the the more like okay it's one scene and then it's for the most part done yeah because i think later they make this distinction but i think it kind of reads throughout like they could be in a relationship or not be in a relationship they would still want to be close to each other so there is that yeah um i will say it's around this time i don't remember it's around this time lore gives some great fucking advice to be honest like obviously towards bastion but also they're the ones that are like maybe we just shouldn't hide we should stop fighting the lake maybe that's the solution yeah yeah and it's like wow (laughs) they nailed it i wrote a note that was like they haven't solved the problem already have they (laughs) when that happened and no they hadn't i mean yeah because the issue is bastion is not willing to accept anything yet uh and also lore says that and is like okay bastion you go do that now and then (laughs) takes themselves off the list like they're like that's not about me though so we we know what's happening yeah (laughs) like logically but we're not emotionally ready for it yet i suppose Mm -hmm. uh okay so it's after another session with amanda 
Lore is going home and they have this feeling that somebody's like following them, but they also like can't look back to check. So they're kind of just like they get in their own head about all the all this shit because they were also talking about Amanda had asked if Lore told Bastian about what happened, the fight, basically, without saying the fight. And Lore is still in their denial arc. So obviously the answer is no, but it's on their mind now. And then they feel like somebody following them and they just kind of feel like very paranoid and like in their own head, basically. Mm. So that causes the lake to rush in for a negative reason this time. And it's like pretty bad. <laughs> uh, Bastion is kind of minding their own business and then they get hit with like their bad moments and Lore shows up and like helps them deal with it. And also drops like the sometimes you can't separate the hard things from the good mm -hmm. things line, which beautiful advice. Wish they would take it. <laughs> and outside of Bastion's house, that's when Lore's bad moments come up, basically. Right. And Lore's like, I need to protect Bastion from how terrible I am and all of my bad past and all of this stuff. And uh, that's, I think, when we figure out the laugh is Lore's laugh. Like when they were scared because they were, mm -hmm. they played along to the jokes, right? Like they would get treated like shit and they would have to pretend to laugh along. Like, oh my God, it's so funny that you're a fucking racist. Right. Like, what a good way to put it. But of course, Bastion still kind of gets a peek into what happened and now they know, which is kind of crazy now that I think about it. It's like such a big part of lore and they didn't even get, I guess they explain it later, but it's like. They don't even get to share it, right? It's right, just they don't like, get the chance. It just gets put out there for them. Yeah, a forced coming out by the lake. But mm. I guess we needed to move Very things along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Laura runs away and is like, I'm a terrible person. This is kind of the turning point, I think, for Bastion. This is kind of when they start figuring things out and or things start clicking, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Lore, complete denial. We will not see them. Uh, they've run off. Yeah, but that's because they think they're they are like dangerous and violent and like all of this nonsense. As to be expected, I saw Lore punch their fucking bully and be like, "Yes, as you should." <laughs> yeah, it's a you know, kids. You know, violence is complicated, but yeah, like the <laughs> I agree. Like, what else was gonna happen, right? What else was gonna stop it? And just all of these trash adults in Laura's life, sorry, like giving the worst advice about how to handle this. Like at some point they were going to have to take it into their own hands. But yeah, I mean, Laura was going to get fucking hate crimed. So parents did make the right choice to move. But regardless, we start getting bits of Bastion kind of being like, it's, you know, not all bad. Like Laura's right. The good things, the hard things, they're connected and... Uh, I am supported. People do love me. And like, just like the class, like the classic end of arc realizations. Mm. Although some could argue they felt a little, a little quick. Not necessarily that like, I didn't want them to reach this point. But there was kind of a part of me, this happens for Lord, I think more so of like, it didn't feel like they sat with it enough. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of an off on switch. Yeah, because Lord like says the line and like, runs away and then not too long later bastian is like actually they're right and it's like <laughs> they didn't sit with it they didn't like hang out with any of these people that supposedly support them they didn't like i don't like simmer in the are they right are they not right yeah i guess they're kind of simmering the whole time but also they're not because they're so negative the whole time right it's like 
I have to hide all these things and I'm so in denial that I don't realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, actually. It seems like more of the book is just trying to make sure you're on the same page with the like, or at least understanding why Bastian is feeling the way they are. So that way, when they have this realization, you understand why they're having the realization less so than having the full growth story. At least that that's kind of how I interpret the structure. It just feels like the end, right? Of the, It feels like the results, I guess, is how to phrase it. Like, there is that lack of questioning it, I guess. Yeah, no, you're right. Just grappling with it, yeah. Grappling is a good way to put it, yes. Because it is just like them not grappling with it, them just thinking things are, are pretty bad and like trying to hide shit, being in denial, blah, blah, blah. And then the result, but there's nothing like of substance in between that. It, it is very like, it's a black and white scenario, mm-hmm. which feels kind of off for what the book is about. But I also think it's just a style choice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we get Bastion kind of having their like moment, kind of basically reaching the end of their arc. So this is the time in which Bastion can now act as the advice giver towards Lore. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Bastion leads Lore under the lake and is basically like, you're right, like we can't keep hiding things. That's the scenario going on. Mm-hmm. And they drop the, you can't separate everything hard from everything beautiful. Slight difference. But plays into the the color beauty aspect of the lake, which is kind of what Bastion is trying to get across. The issue is, what is being called beautiful here is Lore beating the shit out of somebody. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Lore has some thoughts about that. Yeah, it's like, this. I think this is also when they're like, it's not my dyslexia that's the issue. Like, I had my mom, like, I had both my parents, they were really good about it. It's really the... I got bullied and then I became... Like the stereotype. And I was the one in the wrong, right? Right. At least that's what everyone told them. Yeah. And it's like, that's not beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. I would argue otherwise. I had some words in my notes, but basically like (laughs) (laughs) just taking back like your your power. Lord does this more later with the looking thing, but finally having enough and standing up for yourself, like beautiful moment. But that's also... We've kind of been trained, I guess, that that's not, right? That's n- not the beautiful choice. Right. We kind of see the stand up to bully moment sometimes, but not in like a physical altercation. It's usually like a, I'm going to argue at you or like give a speech and that's going to solve the problem. But but this was this was fucking awesome. I would say in a case, especially where someone has already been the victim of it it makes sense for the person to fight back with that same thing right like it's it's really just the self-defense at that point right because it's not like it was just words like lore was being touched i don't know if necessarily i mean they got into a fight fight before which is how lore and bastion met mm-hmm. uh so they've obviously gotten physical before but the bullies would like grab lore and like pull on their shirt like stupid shit like don't touch me you know yeah exactly I think getting that extra context too of Lore saying like what they didn't realize was like they also grabbed my binder, right? Like, and it's like, this is the whole, I mean, this is, first of all, like, don't touch anyone, but especially for reasons like this, like you never know, right? You don't know what you're, what you're doing. <laughs> you do that, like what sort of, what level of battery you are performing on someone by doing something like that. And so like, if they had gotten into extra trouble for that, like they would have been well-deserved, even though it's not like they necessarily knew that Laura was wearing a binder under there, you know? 
Yeah. Lesson of the story. Don't fucking touch people. Mm-hmm. Don't grab people. Don't look at people. That's <laughs> that's the honest truth. Oh, man. Yeah, because that's a very, uh, part of this, too. It's Yeah, I mean, yes, don't touch people. That's really it. Yeah. Amanda also shares our opinion. She's like, you should have beat their ass. You were in the right, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, without saying it the most directly. But yeah, they were just like, yeah. she, was, she was in support for sure. It's really a shame we didn't get more of her. Yeah, it felt like a quick turnaround because she mm. was kind of like easing into things. And then we get to this session and she's basically like, yeah, your school was wrong. You should have beat them the fuck up. You were in the right. And it's like, oh, my God, what energy? <laughs> yeah, because I don't know. I guess the whole thing is neither of our main characters are really leaning into being supported. <laughs> but it's like, dang, like, I feel like we could have really gotten a lot out of this character had we had more of her. Yeah, but that's true of, like, any character. Yeah, that's fair. But it's just like, oh, like, we went through a whole thing introducing her. So, I don't know. Felt like felt like more was going to happen there. We got more of her than, like, Laura's parents, though. So. Yeah, that's true. I don't even know if I remember squat about Laura's parents, so. I mean, Laura's mother, at the very least, has, like, a you look like shit, like, something happened situation. Something happens. Some, she doesn't say that <laughs> to yeah. Laura. That'd be crazy. But it's when Laura is like sanding down that furniture until right. they bleed, they basically. Bleed. Yeah. And the mo- the mom's like, "Okay, what what's going on? Like, right. we've given you time to kind of sulk your way through this. Like, <laughs> what's happening?" So we do get some, but it's uh, that's like it. We're kind of told the parents are very supportive, but yeah, Amanda's basically super supportive, and like their relationship will probably continue to be good, and. That's also like the first time, maybe other than Laura's parents, although I don't know if Laura's parents really talked to them about it. It's kind of like the first time that like an authority figure, I guess, was like, yeah, you you did what you were supposed to. You made the right call here. They were being assholes. So they kind of have to sit with that, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> so like skipping some stuff, we'll get to it. Don't worry. This was like another very quick turnaround, I felt like, of Laura hating the workbook like still not into the therapy thing basically and a couple paragraphs later basically they get on the fridge because that's what bastian does to change their perspective and it makes the workbook look smaller and then they they're like now i can work on it and that's kind of the end (laughs) of lore's arc basically yeah it was pretty quick to to the end there it felt quick especially because they were like i'm not gonna do this let me get on the fridge and then they do it in like the same moment basically i think these parts of the books the these parts of the book are what made me feel like it was definitely written for the youth <laughs> that it is about <laughs> um, because it was kind of quick to like con- i think the idea was to quickly connect those sorts of observations or like positive thoughts with an action so that way the connection could be made for the reader and i i just that i feel like is especially for for younger folks who might be able to take that as as a action point for themselves to to grab and it's kind of laid out like they say the thing it makes sense like logical result and then they win afterwards right like they get to have moments of power bastion kind of when they go under the lake and it's like calm and peaceful and they see all the good bits and and also with antonio later like we'll talk about it and for lore it is they hate the workbook they do the workbook they realize not everything is as big as they perceived it other stuff they've probably realized as well and then they get to have their bus moment where they sit on the bus and there's an asshole guy because there always is 
who's like, smile at me, doll, and, you know, Ugh. does that annoying shit. And so they Lore stares and freaks the guy out, and he eventually, like, leaves, right? And that is, like, a taking back power moment because Lore's been so afraid to look back and, like, stare. Like, if you don't pay attention to them, they'll disappear type of scenario. But this is, like, a I'm going to look at you, and you're going to have to look at me, and I'm going to come out on top type of situation and they get to come out on top which is like great but it's like an immediate immediate gratification right of of what they've been working through yeah, exactly which i think is fine it does skew kind of like young like you get mm -hmm. to you get to solve the problem you've been having and immediately feel good about it and it's yes. like that's not a bad lesson to give people you know? yeah yeah it's not bad representation people should get to feel powerful but it's not always going to work out like this exactly and that's kind of what i was going to get at next is that this whole bus situation was like pretty i don't know scary to me to read about because like it could have just not worked it could have just instigated or like what's the word like enraged to that person to do something harmful so i while you know it's a story and it was written that it had a positive ending and i'm glad it did like this is why i feel like you were on the nose earlier to say like this the the sort of problems that Laura is facing are not ones that necessarily have solutions there's no guarantee that's going to work again and there's a pretty good chance that they're going to have to deal with someone like that again so it's just it's it, that's really tough and i would hate for someone i would especially hate for a young person to read that and think if they if they run into that situation and do that thing that they'll get the same response <laughs> that's mostly my concern um, but people are wild and unpredictable and i'm sorry that anyone has to be around those folks and there's not an easy answer to what you should do other than probably get away but that's also tough so I just it was a complicated part to read I feel yeah I think the author kind of tries to handle it by having Lore stay on the bus and realize they like cannot get off the bus until they're sure the guy is gone yeah they need to stay in a public place right yeah they can't be followed off yeah yes like as somebody who's femme presenting like I used to jog outside <laughs> like a long time ago and I simply stopped for a while because men really just think they can give their fucking opinion. Like, why don't you smile? I've gotten those before. You know, you get cars that honk at you. Oh. I had a guy comment on my ass Oof. literally while he had a child with him. And I'm like, what the, oh my what, God. what the fuck are we doing here? But like, even like the smile comment, I think I did smile because, and like other women and like femme presenting people will know, you just kind of play along. And then you have guys who complain, like, why didn't you give me your real number? Like, you could have just said no. You could have just said no. And it's like, yeah, I say no and I get killed. Like, right. <laughs> right. what is the scenario here? Yeah. So it is a lot more scary. But, like, do you cover that in this book? Probably yeah. not. No, right? I get it. That, it's it's a big, it's its own whole thing. But yes, it's yeah. just because it happened to be that scenario that was used as kind of a moment of growth for Laura. It's like, okay, I get it. I get it. I don't think it's bad that they included it. But scary, like, not something you can count on. Yeah, and that was kind of the problem with Lore's arc is not that neurodivergence is simple. It's not, right? But this was a different type of scenario to deal with, right? Because mm -hmm. it was gender, it was race, it was neurodivergence, it was it was all of it. <laughs> and like, especially for what you're physically presenting to other people, so like race especially, and then like when they're femme presenting more so, like what that means in the world and what you're kind of allowed to get away with and the power is like you're not supposed to care right you look back you fight back you 
you stop caring about what people expect of you and don't try to submerge or not submerge you don't try to suppress your behavior because people are expecting you to act violently so you act the opposite because that's still being controlled right Mm -hmm. but it's also like so it's like so complicated i don't know how to Mm -hmm. phrase it like they kind of do it in this book i guess but is it completely satis like satisfying i don't know i don't know if enough time was given especially in regards to like lore and how they feel like they fit into groups like i don't know if lore spent enough time with people for it to feel satisfying yeah i could agree with that because that's another big part of it like they feel like they're not one of the good kids quote unquote like they're not perfect right and I think that's shown a lot through their issues with their handwriting. Like, it's not clean enough. It's not pretty enough. It's not blah, 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 blah. But we get, after this bus scene, like, we get Lore talking to Bastion's friends. And they're basically like, We're, you're still going to be our friend, even if you and Bastion don't make up. Mm. Like, that's crazy I agree. for them to say that. Like, yeah. you've met this person once. That felt very intense. And it it felt out of place more than probably anything in this book because... Lore has not spent enough time with these people to be like comfortable as themselves and also to feel like a part of their group, like to feel like they're friends. Like they are not friends, at least in, in my head. I guess they're friends the way like high schoolers sometimes become friends. It's like all like loosey goosey and shit like that. Sure, but yeah. I don't know. This could have been a, a way longer book. Also, Lore could have had more, I think. I think so. Yeah. I, I kind of think about that question of we discussed last time of how it felt like bastian was the main character and and while i do feel like it balanced out more i don't think it balanced out all the way right i do think if we had more of the full lore story it would have been a longer book or at least felt more full yeah i agree i feel like both of these characters could have gotten more time i think Mm -hmm. it's just my honest opinion this is the danger of a multi-perspective book honestly i think it's just a style choice Mm -hmm. right and I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it's like cotton candy. Like everything feels, I kind of liked it in the first episode. I was like, it feels so floaty and airy. And I, it still does. But there are some bits, and this is like personal like style, where I just want more substance. Like I wanted more grappling. I wanted more time between the platonic relationships. And I don't know. It was all just kind of kind of floaty. I think I saw a review calling this book like lyrical. I think I used that word in the first part too. So obviously it's a style choice, right? Kind of being lyrical, kind of being lofty. Like you're not going to get a lot of substance or length or time with Mm -hmm. it. So it was fine. Mm -hmm. So Bastion has kind of already figured themselves out. And that means they finally go see their brother. They are going to make all of his together. They're going to see each other for the first time since Bastian also has been kind of avoiding antonio and it's not exactly subtle because antonio i think calls them out earlier in the book and is like i haven't seen you in a long time what's going on bastian's like nothing of course (laughs) so so they get they have this interaction pretty early on after bastian arrives i think where bastian kind of comes out with why they haven't wanted to see antonio it was was interesting because the reason was kind of just i want to be like you (laughs) but i don't want it to be weird that i want to be like you but I thought it was kind of, I don't know, I, I think I can understand um, Bastian's potential embarrassment, though. Like, I can understand why they, they it, once they had that realization that, I guess that maybe they had been had that realization, but having that realization that that's what they are doing um, in part of the way that they're 
presenting themselves uh, could potentially be embarrassing for like someone that they look up to uh, to know that. But I I would think that it's kind of nice, like kind of wholesome for Antonio to be like, oh, you want to be like me when they have such a good relationship. Like, why wouldn't why wouldn't they want to be like him? I mean, Antonio seems pretty cool. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's like it's weird, right? Because it's not just your little brother or sister being like, I want to be just like you when I grow up. I feel like that is pretty normal, but this is like, it's like accepting queer people except when they're in your family, right? right? The difference of that. So maybe the worry is Antonio being like freaked out or unaccepting because this isn't just somebody who wants to be like you. This is somebody who is, who has like changed their gender, changed, quote unquote, changed their gender identity and is now taking like testosterone and is like, trying to be like you right Mm -hmm. and it's like it's a step up from just trying to emulate somebody it could feel like i want to be your clone i want to be exactly like you it could it could feel a bit more intense i think yeah i definitely get that with like the watch and all too of like oh like i'm doing this because my brother did it and a lot of things are i did this because my brother did it yeah this is also me making assumptions we don't really know why bastion thought that way we didn't even know bastion wanted to be like their brother until they just said it yeah this is where, like, in the first episode I talked about, like, is there another secret that we don't know or is it the same secret that we already do know? Like, with Laura's, like, just the punch, you know? And in this case, this was this was the one secret that was a <laughs> secret we didn't know about. But also probably, like, I don't know, maybe someone could have guessed it, but this didn't feel like one that we could have guessed. No, like, even from my perspective as also being non-binary, it doesn't mean we're all a hive mind, but <laughs> trying to think <laughs> about it from that perspective... That would make the most sense to me why somebody might be bothered by it. Yeah. Or Bastion is just feeling super self-conscious and it is really just a, I didn't think you would think this was a compliment type of situation. Yeah. In the general sense. But like, yeah, Bastion gets so wrapped up in their own head. I'm not completely surprised. Mm -hmm. The fact that this started around when the tee shots were probably starting does make me think maybe I'm right about why, but... We'll never know. The the one part that I think could, it couldn't be is the not accepting within your family because that based on the discussion we just had, uh, Antonio also has two lesbian moms. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which I would find it be like it's super shocking <laughs> if the, that. Yeah, meant. but being a lesbian doesn't mean you accept different gender identities. Yeah, that's true. I think that's true. I just would think in in this setting that we have found ourselves in, where it seems like progressive is the standard and not not anything else i i just don't think that could be it yeah but bastian might think so they definitely do worry about like the sort of because they comment on how antonio has a traditional hetero family structure basically so they definitely are concerned about how different antonio is from them i I don't know if that means a concern of of acceptance just maybe a concern of like like not fitting in or like losing or like creating distance between them two more so even though that's like what they do themselves yeah distance for sure but i think yeah bastion it's hmm, it is so different sexual romantic identity and then gender identity mm-hmm. we see turf shit all the time oh, yeah. so i i wouldn't be surprised especially because bastion is worried about their tee shot and like doesn't want to bother their family with it, both from the instruction point of view, but I also think from like a gender point of view, they don't really get into it a lot. Like it's great that they can do it. They obviously have accepted that, but it is such a, it's something that other queer people don't have to go through, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Like it is a uniquely Bastion experience. So 
maybe not a complete cutting off. I don't think that that would be the worry, but like, yeah, distance. So Bastion is just creating that distance before the distance can be created. Exactly. They're doing the classic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the classic, I will push you away so you <laughs> cannot push me away. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that's still all assumptions. Like, we don't really know. Yeah. For as much as this book kind of lays everything out, this part, not as concrete as some of the other stuff. Mm. We just know Bastion wants to be like their brother. And you know what? And Antonio accepts that. They're like, here, take my jacket. Yeah. it's No, I think it's cute. Like, and to me, I, I don't know. Antonio, despite having a very small part of this book, is maybe my favorite because they just seem to have the, the he just seems to have the right response to everything. Like, first of all, the Alabrijas thing came from him. And then Antonio has his own way of responding to bad the bad day Alabrijas in that he keeps them and that becomes a whole like wow moment for Bastian like not only am I doing this healthy activity but like I've also managed to take it to the next step and reflecting on those bad days and like how those are a part of me and like how to make kind of how to give them a bit a bit of a positive spin so that part's super cool and then just even on the phone calls like I don't know it shows a lot of love and when Bastian is expressing the things that they've been concerned about, like very loving, very like open and accepting. It's like everything is just just on point. I love it. Utopian brother, I'm telling Utopian you. Utopian brother <laughs> and Bastian's utopian family, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I did like how Antonio treats the Alibody Hayes though, because it, it's similar to what Lore needed to do. It's like basically taking back power, right? Like mm -hmm. you can't let the bad days control you. Like Antonio's making something creative and something like beautiful out of the bad experiences. And that is, even if that's a small act and like doesn't, it's not like productive, but it, it is something good. It's not letting the bad day completely tear you down. Mm -hmm. And it like lets you kind of track your own perseverance or your own resilience to see like, oh man, like even though I had maybe even a hundred bad days and I have these tons of alabrijas from them, like, I still got something out of it. Yeah. There's also something like, I, which Bastion does pick up on later when they start keeping their own Alibrijes, but it's displaying that vulnerability. Mm. Like Bastion was worried about this in the beginning of the book. It's, it's, I think, why the lake started. They had to get rid of it so that they wouldn't be judged and they wouldn't be embarrassed by how many Alibrijes they had to make because that's not something like, it's like, oh, you had this many bad days. Right. But Antonio is like, yeah, I had this many bad days and look at what I did with those bad days. Right. So yeah, the reflective part that we were kind of missing from Bastian, who's, who was just hiding, right, those bad days. I feel like if this book had more Antonio, it would have been done a lot sooner. <laughs> Maybe that's the true reason the drama was happening because we couldn't have Antonio in this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we otherwise kind of closed it out, right? Lorg apologizes and also admits that they have a thing as well for Bastian. I feel like the last 30 pages of this book was like not anything else happened. Yeah, it was kind of just like the tying up all those loose ends, I guess. We do get the, the, the final installment of you have to accept the good days, the bad days, making good things out of bad days. And I think they like equate it to kind of living in in between that binary of like the good and the bad you kind of have to exist in the middle mm -hmm. which i was like i guess that's yeah i guess these characters more than anyone would understand existing in that <laughs> in that space right that was kind of the the book i don't know i love that we 
literally for the end of this which i guess is supposed to be like a big emotional scene or whatever we were kind of like yeah they made up <laughs> it's i mean i didn't <laughs> i have to say it. yeah maybe people felt a lot more moved than i did by the end of the book but it kind of just was like this is it felt comfortable it felt like yeah the cotton candy you mentioned right like it didn't i, I mean nothing stuck out as like a major point in the end of the book yeah i feel like the only big like emotional moment was and it's not even that much of a moment when Lore lied and was like, I don't like you. But I think yeah, <laughs> more than treating it as like a serious moment, it was kind of like a, ah, we've ticked off that cliche yeah, yeah. type of situation. But it was interesting that in that moment, the lake, like, the lake let Lore go. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. To be fair, the lake was weird. I feel like it it felt like an entity in the first part of this book, and then this part of the book, it felt like a barometer, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was doing what we thought it was doing. It was appearing during high intense situations. I guess it was a bit of like, you get out what you put in, almost. Like, Laura, was decided, Laura decided they were done, and so the lake was done. Yeah, I think it was also an aspect of Lore wasn't in denial, like, about themselves, like, they had accepted that they got into a fight, and, and now Bastion knew that, and they were kind of just being honest in the fact that they weren't going to be involved anymore. I don't know. I mean, they did just lie in that scene, but Lore knew they were lying. It's not like they were in denial about their feelings. Mm. So there was a certain openness and honesty there, I point. suppose. Yeah. Interesting version of it to incentivize, I guess. But Yeah. I don't know if I would call it incentive in this case. It just it really does seem to just cancel out more so than acknowledge that there was a level of completion. I mean, it doesn't matter too much other than the lake not rising anymore because by the end of the book, they do just kind of get to spend time in the world under the lake. Yeah, I wish I did like that as an ending. I, I almost wish we... <laughs> so one, as we as we come to the end of this book, some, some overall thoughts I have. <laughs> like one thing I was really expecting from this book was for it to take place in the lake a lot more. Um, like the vibe I was getting was was we were going to learn a lot about some sort of fantasy world under the lake. I thought maybe there'd be under the lake society. Like I thought there was going to be some more to it, as opposed to like oh the lake is actually kind of more of a emotionally connected entity to our main characters who are mostly living in the normal world. So and not that I didn't like this book, but that's it was definitely way different than I expected. Yeah, it didn't feel like a world under the lake mm. because it was just kind of reflecting the characters like bastion would see the fridge and obviously the alibody haze and all of that stuff but yeah it didn't yeah it wasn't really like a world uh other general stuff i guess to talk about is kind of the relationships i guess in this book we get the romantic one vaguely vaguely yeah vaguely the only issue i had was because it felt so kind of rushed not that it really had like a intense ending really my issue was Bastion obviously was in like denial or just completely oblivious for the most part about their feelings. Uh, like they knew they liked Lore, but they weren't really thinking about it too much. We got hints of that a few times. But with Lore, it was kind of like they didn't think about it and then they did. Because there was just this one moment where they start thinking about Bastion romantically. And I'm like, that it felt like it came out of nowhere. It is one of those other on off switch situations, huh? Yeah. Which, again, I, again, is, I guess, just a, a style thing. Yeah. You kind of just have to accept it, too, because it really isn't a s slow development or something to that. You just have to accept, okay, because this character told me that 
they have a thing now they have a thing now yes and that is true of all the relationships in this book i think because we don't really get to just spend time between the characters we kind of just have to accept like oh lore's parents did these things to support them and bastion's brother is like this they're super close they're like this except for you know in this book but whatever (laughs) and bastion has their four i think it's four best friends that like know these personal things about them but we don't really get to see those interactions so yeah it is kind of just a lot of these characters are close you better believe it (laughs) (laughs) and you just kind of have to take that right which is fine. Like, if that's not what you want to focus the book on, that's fine. It's just slightly, like, off when one of the lessons, quote-unquote lessons, being learned is people actually will support you and do support you. You just haven't been, like, paying attention, basically, right? Right. I guess, yeah, because then we we don't actually get to see that happen with most of the people. Yeah, yeah. You don't really get to learn the people. I don't Like, for example, one character, Sloane. Like, I don't know anything about Sloane by the end of this book, right? Or their relationship with... Bastian. Yeah, I can't even remember all the names. I know it's like Vivian. Yeah, Abriel, Sloan. Sloan. Is that it? Is there three of them? There's four of them. Oh. <laughs> We're forgetting somebody. Yeah. See, but that's the thing, right? It's like it, at that point, why introduce four friend characters if they kind of function like one? Yeah, they do basically act as a unit, especially when Lore calls them and they're all together. They make like a group decision, right? Right. So they are kind of just a unit of support for bastion but we don't get to experience them as like individuals and how they might work differently with bastion we don't really get to see that which could have been really interesting right it's really a style thing the book just uh, wasn't quite as like deep as i usually like Mm -hmm. i would say that i I agree with what you're saying it didn't stick out to me when i when i was reading it per se but yeah like it does when you do that kind of book-wide reflection it's like yeah like i would have it would have benefited from that but also, like, maybe that's not really what the author was going for, so what's it matter? <laughs> yeah. I mean, talking about these kind of things, though, do you want to just do ratings? I could give mine real quick. Yeah, absolutely. I've basically explained probably my one issue with the book, which was, like, the cotton candy aspect, but it's a style thing. I'm not too fussed about it, but it just means I didn't feel as emotionally invested as I think I wanted to feel, especially with what was going on. So I think for rating-wise... I might go a 3.5. I almost gave it a four, but I don't know. Fours for me are things I would like to reread. They're not as like emotionally impactful as fives are, but fours are still like some of my favorites, right? So I think, yeah, 3.5. All right. I, I It's funny because, yeah, I was, I was teetering between 3.5 and four as well. Yeah, we're the same on this, yeah, I feel. I've been sitting on it throughout the episode. I think I'm going to go for four. I, I didn't mind kind of the lyrical nature of the book i kind of thought it was a nice Mm -hmm. read like i enjoyed it i was engaged the whole time there's there's i don't think there's a part of this book where i was like uh like can we move on to the next thing you know which is maybe because it was a short a shorter book um i definitely liked the representation aspect myself like having some queer latinx people awesome wonderful and it it felt like not necessarily realistic but interesting (laughs) like it was like oh like this is a nice thought um yeah, definitely a bit utopic in that part. But like it was it was nice to see that as an option in, in literature when it's usually the other end of the spectrum. It's like here's the unrelenting, like homophobic, you know, et cetera, phobic Latino parents mm-hmm. and 
that's just how it is because that's how it is in real life which is like obviously it's not comprehensively true like that's not 100 percent. obviously it's very common but i it's literature like it was nice to see something different it doesn't have to always reflect reality especially if that's not the focus of the book it's not the focus of the book was not dealing with parents and um you know acceptance from from your parents specifically or from latino parents or whatever it was much more complicated than that and while there was like sort of a phobia portion of the book it was different it was about peers and social things and a lot a lot more that it it usually isn't about so i know for all that i i like what the author did i like how they set up the story i like the decisions that they made despite the fact that they were probably riskier decisions i think they worked for me so and i've decided now that I'm not giving something a four unless I'd like someone else to read it. And I do think there's people I would, at least some people, I, I would not necessarily say I'd recommend this at large to everyone and anyone because it does feel like it has, has an audience, but uh, but there's definitely people I, I want to read this book. So I'll give it a four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if I was casually reading this, I probably would have given it a four, but... That critical eye. <laughs> yeah, we go a little too deep sometimes, but um, good vibes. Uh, I can I can quickly go over mine. Sure. I like that this was not a coming out story. Mm. And we talked about this in like the first episode of this, just kind of like non-binary, being non-binary is not the point. You mentioned with the parents, like dealing with that is not the point. It it kind of just exists. And I kind of just like that because <laughs> that is always the worry when you pick, pick up like queer media. Yeah, it's like, like any of it. <laughs> is it. Yes. Is it going to be a coming out story? I really don't need it to be. I don't know. I like when queer characters can just kind of exist and be queer exactly and they they were in this you know utopian society but they were we really like actually found a queer book <laughs> yes <laughs> thank goodness it took so long it's not it was not without trying yeah it'll be another couple months before we get another at least at least yeah i think for my good vibes i think i just like that the author was willing to break alternating structure between the two points of view I think they saved themselves a little bit there. I think it could have been like like a lot of dead chapters. There was definitely some short ones in the first half where I was like questionable, but but their willingness to like play with that structure a little bit so we could just get the story we were supposed to get. I liked that. Yeah, and also talking about dead chapters, they didn't try to make this book longer than it needed to be mm. for what they were going for. Yeah, because you get those like one page chapters and stuff, but I mean, it's okay if that's all that they needed to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And for some odd reason, both of our good vibes are like structure based, but we'll let it sit, I guess. <laughs> I said some good things in my rating, so I'll let it be. Yeah, this wasn't a like a negative. I feel like this wasn't a negative episode. Yeah, I you know I, I think did I say this already? I feel like the book wasn't necessarily revolutionary, but it was enjoyable and had some good things to take away still. Absolutely, absolutely. So what we're reading next is called "Lonely Castle in the Mirror" by Mizuki Sujimura. It is broken up kind of by semesters. So we're reading a little bit over half, but I wanted to get to a semester because I felt like that would be a good breaking point. So we're reading up to, but not including, the third semester, subtitled Goodbye. As always, for this uh, episode, for your own thoughts and theories, and blah, 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 uh, <laughs> the Twitter is 5050 underscore books. Anything else to say? I've got nothing. Perfect. Bye-bye. Bye.